Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to the second series in my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. In series one, we explored what we mean by employee experience, and so now we are ready to unpick the how to achieving that. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company, with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. Okay, so today's a little bit different. Celia Champion of Painless Practice and I decided to record a podcast that's going to double up to suit her purpose as well as mine. So before we launch into our conversation, Celia, do you want to tell me a little bit about you and your role? Hmm. So um, I own a company called Painless Practice and um, we help our clients um, really enjoy the work and achieve their vision and feel confident as practice owners. Um, so we work predominantly with physios, chiros, osteos um, who are in private practice and these can range from sole practitioners to multi-site, multi-therapist, multi-discipline um, businesses. So um, we do a lot of work on helping them really understand why, why they do what they do, um, how they want their patient experience to be, how they want their team experience to be, um, you know, really just enhancing their leadership skills, um, and then everything else kind of to do with a non-clinical side of business. I love that, because that's why you and I are so aligned, because you focus mm. on the people bit first, and then it's the kind of yeah. afterwards. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get started. So today, we're really going to be focusing on planning for that positive employee experience mm. and there's so many different elements that come into that um, and in our sector kind of in the clinic world some of the challenges are that um, the owner is not necessarily always working at the same time as all their team members so it's not a typical office environment and I completely appreciate that that's changed in the world from COVID anyway. So, mm. you know, that's probably um, happening more in other organizations as well. So, so, mm. so your insights in that would be really interesting. Um, and then the other area is that at the moment, it's really hard to recruit um, therapists in particular. Mm. And so there's, so I'm kind of always interested in working out how do we how do we position the business in the recruitment drive to attract team members to, to get them to understand what this amazing culture is that they'd be joining? Um, so there's various strands in that. And then, and then there's a thing around, um, well, how do you create that culture? How do you, how do you roll out that culture without it being inauthentic? Mm. Um, so there's just... I guess so many different strands so uh, you know where where shall we start Lisa? Well I guess you know you mentioned the words um, about kind of employee experience and I think for me it's really important isn't it to to get away from thinking about almost silos around you know we're just going to focus on recruitment or we're just going to focus on mm. people's well-being or whatever kind of people traditionally do and actually look much to take a step back and look at the whole picture the big picture which is around the experience of people when they go to work because then we can start joining the dots more you have something that's much more meaningful so if you're looking at recruitment well that's got to be around your culture which has got to be around um 
do employees feel well and are they able to perform and have they got good leadership that knows how to create a culture which is based on values that are meaningful to people and and so on and once you start once you step back and have a picture it can feel really overwhelming like there Mm -hmm. is just how how do we get ahead around what this actually looks like in our practice but as soon as you step back look at the big picture you can start to identify all the the areas that might have a part to play and then start unpicking those and saying well what do we mean by values or what we mean by culture and actually just start having the conversations within your own organization yeah and I think what I sometimes see um that happens and I saw it in a in a bigger um clinic environment a really kind of key example that sat with me a lot was um the the kind of leaders went off into the mountains or whatever yeah. you want to call it and had this lovely you know kind of meeting and exec mm. meeting sat around the table and decided what their what their purpose was what their values were and then they came and they put it on the wall in the in in the, in the clinic and I remember very clearly delivering a workshop and I was facing the wall and the delegates were facing me so the the kind of team mm. members were facing me and I kind of said so so guys tell me about the culture of your business you know you know why is this business in existence what are the key things that are really important about the team experience the patient experience and everybody kind of floundered and Mm. and I was I kind of said what about what's on the wall behind you and the the one of the kind of leaders was in the room and they said oh we've we haven't really rolled that out yet oh my goodness and it kind of made me think wow that's sitting on your wall like so so I think that there's there's a really big disconnect Mm. between what that what the, what culture is and what values are and what what purpose is and and yes I can you know I help practice owners define what it is for them and what they want to be true about their business but then that there is a, a big challenge in rolling that out because it, it's not just a let's just put it on the wall and that's it yeah and I also think you know change when we think about how we go around um implementing new values or whatever change we're making like developing something around a culture when people say where does that start I'll often say from the bottom up so of course you've got to have mm. leaders in terms of having that vision you know something around here needs to change and we're behind uh, driving that change and kind of supporting that mm. but when we start by asking everyone at ground level what is important to you what do you think our values should be mm-hmm. and you you almost have a kind of a two-way approach which is the people on the on the ground as, are giving their view the leaders will be sitting saying actually this is what we think is really important to mm-hmm. um fulfill the needs of our business um because they'll have the the potentially bigger picture um and then you can't you you meet in the middle and there has to be some kind of toing and froing but that mm-hmm. also requires the leaders to be happy about uh, letting go of what they think are the ideals so if you've got a leader mm. and I'm talking from experience of working with a, uh, a company who working with their leadership team who came up with uh, what they thought were really important values and actually they did that as individuals uh, individual mm. leaders they came together as a leadership team and then whittled those down to what they thought were important and the company were also asking all their employees what they thought were important values and they actually realized there's quite a lot of crossover which wasn't surprising really because when we sit about when we're thinking about it ideally we often come up with similar ones in reality it's quite different um and so they can't they can come up with a quite a long list 
And then we they went back and said, right, let's get the wording right. Let's look at what these really mean. What do we mean by that particular phrase? So it's not just a nominalization, which doesn't, you know, what, what's that look like? And the leadership team had to be quite okay about, and they were about saying, well, yeah, actually we're going to drop that one that we thought was really important because that really doesn't mean anything to the rest of our organization. Mm, mm. It's not going to make any difference or we're going to change the word. We really like that particular word, but we know that that's not the right word. It doesn't communicate the values clearly enough. So yeah. there's got to be that sense of real communication that goes kind of up and down, or if you haven't got the hierarchy across um, mm. all the teams and, and everyone, every level is open to negotiating and yeah. letting go of their ideals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I see that where we've, you know, I might have maybe done some initial work with, so, I, you know, the clinics that I work with are probably smaller than the organizations that mm. you might be working with. So it's not hundreds and hundreds of people in most cases. Um, so with the smaller teams, it might start with, it might even start with everybody in, in one room and just say, okay, guys, what does this business stand for? And what are the values? So, so yeah. that, and that tends to work really well, as long as everybody feels comfortable to speak up. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's almost like there needs to be that level of trust mm. in the room before it, because otherwise that exercise can sometimes just fall flat because people feel fearful to voice their opinions. So you almost like kind of need to develop that trust and that team that, you know, we're all in a safe place and we're all going to, you know, we want to speak up. And, and yes, part of that is my role to establish that mm. and those, those kind of rules of engagement. But if that's, if underlying that's not really there, no matter what I say in the room to say, you know, it's a safe place, you can say mm. what you, you like, yeah that's just not going to happen yeah and I think you, you've hit a nail on the head there really because lots of people will dive in and say right we need to start exploring developing our values but they miss the fact that people won't contribute to that process fully if they don't have that sense of trust they don't feel safe yeah. to do so so and that's why I'm a real fan of getting massive pieces of paper and saying right this is what we think we want to start with mm. now let's take a step back and say is that the right starting point or do we need to do something before that or we missed mm. out a particular group of people the whole the whole bit about um looking at your team culture so looking at what you know getting that culture right to be able to do the work around our values and it's almost like a chicken and egg thing isn't it because you want the right values in order for your team to be able to work well but we you as a as a team people need to understand what their purpose is so what are they just trying to achieve as a team and if you can just have conversations around you're not trying to develop our values per se in terms of this is what we're going to be publishing and saying what we're all about but why do I do what I do and it's the why is really important so what is it that brings me to work every day what mm. difference do I think I make by doing my role and when you start to have these conversations in a team and then the team gets a sense of what value they each provide like I couldn't do my job if you didn't do your job or this is how we help each other and this is how we come together as we you know, on our own, we wouldn't be so great, but actually together, you, we, we make a collective, which, which provides a lot of value. And then it's looking at how you develop trust and how you recognize good practice, which isn't necessarily about results. It's about actually helping each other or what do we think is important to notice about what's going well and trying to guide that conversation away from just results, but about, mm. you know, what do we, what do we, feel good about what do we want feedback for and when you ask that mm. kind of question well I want feedback for the fact I'm trying really hard even mm. if the outcome is not right or I'm brave enough to have a go at something new 
even if I don't feel confident about it, mm. or I'm taking on um, a difficult conversation because I know it has to happen, even though it makes me feel really uncomfortable. So those, mm. so as soon as you start having those conversations, you can almost pull the values out of that, and that those conversations yeah. in themselves build trust. Mm. Yeah, and it, it kind of it reminds me of um, Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game, mm. and he talks about. You, know, you can have finite games within the infinite game. So your finite games are maybe the, the, the key results that you're striving towards. But actually, the bigger picture, the infinite game is really what connects everybody and what keeps everybody motivated. And, you know, that it's, be, okay. it's something bigger than themselves. And, um, you know, it's that kind of real purpose. And I see with, say, with clinics, as an example, often the front of house team don't they, they kind of just see, oh, their roles coming coming to work, answering mm. the phone, going home, you know, booking patients in, dealing with cancellations. Mm. And until there's that connection to the bigger picture for them and saying, well, actually, you're an integral part of our team. And without you, yeah. the therapist can't yes. do the treatment that get the patients better. And so, you know, and, and it is, it's really kind of, it's really interesting when you see that, that connection that lights up and yes. thinks, oh my gosh, I am, that's what actually gets me coming back here. Because when that patient comes out and says, oh, I feel so much better, that mm -hmm. lights up their lives as well as a therapist. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that whole sense of, you know, whether it's about flattening a hierarchy or just merging the, mm. the boundaries in terms of what we know about each other across different groups, um, you know, I was talking to someone, a, a company recently about how, exactly as you said, you might have one person who would, if you put it in, put them in a hierarchy, would it be right at the bottom, but that person's pivotal. It's a bit like a primary school. My kids go to the local primary school and there's the, the lady who works in the office and you, and you might think, well, she's just a secretary or whatever she's called. Um, but actually, she's the person who keeps, I almost think she's kind of in the engine room. If she wasn't there, things would fall apart. And so in terms of their sense of status, that should be, they, they, are, they are integral, they are hugely important, but they should be recognised for such. And I think when you hear each other's stories around, um, this is what this team really does, and this is a typical day in my life as a receptionist or a whatever and these are the kinds of things I have to deal with and these are the not so good things about my role and these are things I really love about my role it really mm -hmm. opens up other people's eyes to wow that sounds like you have quite a lot to deal with or, I didn't realize you had to have those kinds of conversations that regularly or my goodness mm -hmm. me that sounds a you know terrible part of your role so well done for doing it and we we have our eyes open to just what else is going on so that we have greater mm -hmm. connection rather than kind of working in our little silos yeah and it's that it's developing that those those intimate relationships and that connection and that compassion and that kindness and yeah. you know at the end of the day that's all we want in life isn't it mm. you know that that you have a sense of belonging um we just recently in our book in our mastery book club the book that we read was fearless by um, dr pippa grange yes and it is just brilliant and it is you know just really talking about what kind of you know obviously all about you know fearing less and mm. and she talks about winning deep rather than winning shallow mm. and that winning shallow is that almost related to that finite game of you know we, we're going to hit these goals and then and then what next and it's almost that, like that that material success um mm -hmm. or, or those kind of goal-driven successes whereas winning deep is that where you feel that real fulfillment and isn't that what we want from our 
our kind of work experience wherever we work and Absolutely. in the situation that we're in and then to me there's that almost sense of um duty as a business owner where you're bringing people together to work mm. in your business that mm. that you to me there's a real sense of wanting to create that that yeah. experience for people and if if that's if that sense of duty or sense of real kind of motivation and connections not there for you to want to be doing that then then I've got a question well then, mm. then I almost sometimes can look at a business and think well therein lies a big problem yeah exactly and I think it's you know what you're describing can almost be summarized by the word happiness and there's so much research mm. um which now shows that people's health their physical health mental health is far better um when they're happy and mm. when um you know they're able to thrive so to perform well and you know they kind of get in that zone of being able to perform and enjoying what they're doing and just kind of feeling that mm. sense of flow when they're happy and that is happiness is not about success so happiness mm. is not you know that the, the, the success is almost that could be defined by those shallow wins it's that sense mm. of well I've ticked that off I've ticked that off or I've achieved yeah. my numbers or mm. whatever so yeah I sh- I'm successful but that on is a kind of surface level success and actually mm. when deep down we are at a level where we feel we are we have a sense of belonging we have a sense of connectedness we have we know we're recognized for our um, efforts we're able to demonstrate our strengths what we're doing day to day aligns with who I am as an individual because the values um, I've helped shape them um, I know my sense of purpose is so I'm really emotionally engaged with that because it's not someone just telling me this is what you've got to do but I understand my part in the bigger picture and mm-hmm. I'm motivated to do the best I can you know once you start meeting those basic emotional needs people are happier and then people will naturally perform better and naturally get mm. on better within their team and um yeah. you know you'll have you'll have you'll have your issues mm. and it, it, it um it, you know dan pink's book drive talks about how you know we are beyond you know if you take the problem of money off the table we will as humans be driven by autonomy mastery and purpose and to me this is that whole purpose piece is that you know if you're part of that bigger picture and um then you will be more inclined to to have a better day at work absolutely. but yeah that, that absolute happiness is yeah key. and I think also part of that is um recognizing the fact that life is not all going to be rosy because I think some people are really skeptical of that word happiness they're like oh it's a bit mm. free um mm. and you know I'm far more serious than just being happy <laughs> like <laughs> okay we need to have a think about that um but when when we start to um, kind of take a step back and we explore what we mean by happiness, we can we can we can see that's to do with uh, a sense of stress. It's to do with reducing stress. It's to do with mm. um, me being happy in a day to day. And what gets in the way of that often is conflict. So when and people avoid conflict because they think mm. it's going to get in the way of me feeling happy. It's going to get in the way of me feeling well. Mm. But conflict is so important. And we need to have conversations, like really, really good conversations about how do we all feel about conflict? Um, and a lot of people will kind of go, oh, I don't like it. But actually, we need to have positive conflict. We need to have healthy conflict, which means mm-hmm. we're able to say if there's a problem and it be OK, not a confrontation. We need to mm-hmm. be able to express 
something that we're concerned about um, if someone's done something wrong or you think something could be done better or you just feel a bit miffed about something how do we communicate that and how do we hear other people communicating that to us and feel safe and secure and and you know when we're looking at what makes a good team and a good team culture part of the work I do you know along with the work around trust and so on is to explore that whole bit about conflict we've got to feel safe to be able to point out when stuff's not going right because nine times out of ten people either avoid it which means all these issues stay there and of course that gets in the way of everything yeah um or we have a go at dealing with them and we probably don't do it such a great way (laughs) so then people are also not very happy and there's a there's a kind of bit of an art to it but it's not an art that's way off the kind of chart of being achievable it's that Mm. starts with a good conversation about how do I feel what would make it easier for me if you've got to speak to me about something what makes it easier Mm. for that to land and feel okay what you know Mm. and just having those kinds of conversations within your team yeah and it's just recognizing that one size doesn't fit all so it's really um being in tune with the different personalities that you're working with as well but even having those upfront conversations of saying you know how do you you know how do you want me to deal with this with you how you know what is the best way for us to have this conversation yeah. and I think that, that that there's a lot of that that just doesn't happen and in fact you know as you say you know com- people avoid conflict because yeah. they think it's it's too difficult and they, they're fearful of what will happen from the conflict yeah um but I think when I wonder- that all fit that all for me fits in to that really important aspect of psychological safety which mm. is a really big part of creating yeah. a culture where people are happy and and people can thrive and people want to be part mm. of and you know we psychological safety think about the kind of four stages about um feelings you feel included so that's all being connected that we talked about you feel um safe to learn um and that's hugely important in terms of your development of your role um mm. you know you can contribute so I can contribute mm. my ideas and know that I'm not going to be shot down I can yeah. contribute my ideas that might be a bit way off what we'd normally do around here because I'm being creative and innovative and which of course we want in our um, organizations now and I know that people will be open to hearing that but the Mm -hmm. final stage is about being able to challenge so that you know part of having a psychologically safe culture is incorporates that needs to be able to challenge and to challenge Mm -hmm. safely and to feel safe with that so it's really really important part to, to kind of for people to get their heads around yeah one of the other books that we have um, looked at in our um, book club is um, Radical Candle by Kim Scott. And she talks about how, um, you know, a lot of the time, a lot, a lot of owners or business you know, managers and things are so worried about offending people and they, or, or they, they kind of, they really care personally about the person. So they care so much about the person that they don't want. And then, but then they don't, they, they're so worried about um, giving direct feedback that they sit in this ruinous empathy space where they're not doing themselves any favors and they're not doing the person that needs the feedback any favors. And she talks about how, you know, you need that radical candle where you really have to care personally for the person. So you're providing that safe space and you're creating that, that area of safety that it's, that it's safe for you to directly give um, feedback, but safe for them to challenge your feedback as well. Mm. It reminds me of um, the, um, Dave Greenway, who we were talking about just before, mm. that's his yeah. call, uh, always has this saying, which I should probably get this completely wrong, but something about <laughs> you should never just sit on the fence, you know, in terms of just, 
if you know something needs to happen, you just got to get on and do it. But if you sit on the, yeah. on the fence, you get splinters. And it's a sense of yeah, exactly. And and you know what, things do come back to bite you if you just try and avoid them because life feels mm. simpler. Mm. In the in the long run, it doesn't do anyone any favors. No. Yeah. And I guess some of the, you know, some, some when we're working on the the kind of, you know, try, trying to really understand what that culture is and and what that purpose is and, and then and therefore what the values are that the organization, you know, that that, that everybody in the organization stands by. Mm. Kind of filtering down from that, when you get the team together and you start saying, okay, so if if, if this is one of the things that we want to show that we, you know, that we provide a really personalized service for our patients and we really care about each and every one that comes through the door, what does that mean about our behaviors? And and going through the entire patient journey and saying, so what does that mean when we answer the phone? What does that mean when the patient arrives? What does that mean when we bring them into the treatment room? What does that mean when we're giving them our advice? And kind of going through that whole thing and, and doing that together with a team, I think can sometimes help a lot when you do have to have difficult conversations because mm. now it's not about the person, it's about exactly the, the act that's going that, that's going against the value exactly yeah and it it kind of it depersonalizes it doesn't it and and actually mm. when we're able to say um you know i noticed that mm. you didn't do this or whatever and, and you can and you can follow that up with that's okay because we're all still trying to get ahead around these new values or some or i recognize you're stressed mm. because we know that mm. high emotional arousal really stops us um behaving and in, in the way we want to behave we tend to revert to behaviors that aren't necessarily so helpful outwards um when we, when we can communicate that so we're we're not doing it in a way of judging or blaming you got it wrong mm. <laughs> but actually i'm just pointing out just letting you know that i noticed um and i know normally you're really good at that or i mm. noticed that you did do that yesterday so i know you you can do it so you you're very again it's about the use of language around that mm. um but I think, yeah, using using the values as a way of it's holding people accountable to those, yeah. so rather than focusing on the individuals. Yeah, and and actually, I think when when it's done, you know, when it's really worked well, and it's you know, and you have got that level of trust within the team, mm. then almost the owner doesn't need to be doing all that because the the individual, you know, the team members are going to be kind of holding each other account to them and. Of course. And helping each other to meet those, um, yeah. you know, values. Yeah. And when people have in their team meetings, for example, part of that um, possibly explicitly is around what we've we done to fulfill our or demonstrate our mm. values this week or this month. Yeah. Then mm. we start to bring to our consciousness, our conscious awareness, a lot more about the kinds of behaviours that fulfill these values and what we are recognizing and what we're celebrating so the person who's sat at their desk and unable to move away from the desk they feel their work pressures too much um and they're keeping their head down switching off from everybody they might feel that that's what is needed of me right now but when if that's going against what the values are within that team in terms of um meeting together for lunch or whatever the, mm. their values are whatever their behaviors are behind those values then we're able to gently bring people back on board and 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 but not doing that in a way that's critical yes. and i think that makes it it makes it a lot easier to to keep people on board because they mm. believe in it and they they understand why they're why they're important yeah and i and i really think that that's sometimes where i've noticed 
is that, you know, you can, even if you work with your team together and define the purpose of the business and define the values and talk about behaviors and things, and mm. maybe that's done in like a, you know, one or two day strategy session and it's mm. fantastic and everyone comes together and they leave with, you know, feeling really excited about the whole thing and then they get back into their individual roles and a few months later that's kind of forgotten and that's I think that that's where I'd be interested in your kind of so you've given an example of of actually explicitly sitting in your team meetings but Mm. how else can one just you know what techniques can one use to just keep that fire alive and everyone kind of engaged in that whilst they're kind of maybe stressed with a patient list that's got three weeks waiting list and yeah I, th- I think it's it's about keep keeping it alive through the conversations um mm. which are whether it's in your team meetings also one-to-one so making sure you know for me there are very rarely enough one-to-one check-ins and people say I don't have time yep but for me, if people create the time to have this one-to-one check-ins, it, it re- reduces their work longer term because mm-hmm. they have fewer issues. So if pe- if you're checking in with people and you're not, you know, you, you don't want someone to be going down a checklist of the values and saying how you, what are you doing, but <laughs> having a natural conversation which is around mm-hmm. um, those values. So whatever those values mm-hmm. are, and being able to kind of shape the conversation around. what's getting in the way for you achieving these or what are you Mm. what are you feeling proud about and Mm. also as a a whole organization you can have themes like this week we're really going to focus on this particular value Mm. and you might have someone who will write a little blog piece about it Mm. or someone Mm. who's going to um talk about a really good uh piece of practice that they're proud of so for example it might be how they've engaged with a, a client or with a colleague uh, or something that they've done so you start to get people signing up for to talk about and share good practice yeah. um, and whether you do that via a little blog or via you know video blogs or whatever you start to really highlight this through uh through kind of just keeping it alive through these conversations mm-hmm. and also when you're visiting anything like you're reviewing your policies for example Mm. everything has to come through that lens of does this fit Mm. our values so being very clear about that you know when we're emailing people are we still fulfilling our values and actually Mm. asking people to have a focus this week we're going to really think about our emails or we're really going to think about how we communicate with our clients or Mm. you know and actually giving people a very specific uh focus so mm. it's got to be specific enough to be tangible that people can really grasp and know what it is that they're focusing on if we just if we're too vague and say we're going to focus on the value of I don't know friendliness that's like really mm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> something really really kind of um, vague like that it's like you're not you're not going to achieve anything from that so what mm. are the behaviors we're looking for what opportunities have we got to build on those and how are we going to demonstrate that this week? Yeah. And then you come back and you share that practice and you celebrate yeah. and you say, well, actually, that's all well and good, but it was really hard in this particular situation. And then as a mm, team, mm. you problem solve that and say, yeah, well, that's yeah. because that client's values really are so different to ours. And how can we get around that? Or, you know, mm. you start to unpick um, the challenges, but you do that collectively rather than mm the individual feeling it's their their responsibility yeah and I think with that as well if 
if as an example your clients values are are different it's fine mm. if they're different as long as they're not in conflict yes um, and I think it is recognizing that if it's in conflict that actually maybe the best decision is to not have that client because it's causing the whole team so much um, distress yes um, you know yes, and, and knowing mm, and, and and again that kind of comes to I, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients who have had someone that's just not working out in the organization and they've tried everything you know they've like literally they can look at themselves in the mirror and say I have done my very best mm. to turn the situation around and if I ask them and say well what's your gut telling you and they're just like it's definitely just not right and and then if I go back and say what did your gut tell you when you first took this person on board and there will sometimes be times that I think, do you know, the skill set on the CV was absolutely perfect. Um, you know, I thought that the person was a little bit arrogant or a little bit this or a little bit that, but actually I really thought I could get by. And, mm. you know, nine times out of 10, that situation never pans out for the good. Yeah, because you've got to, you've, you've got to connect at an emotional level. You've got mm. to uh, just click. And yeah. if someone has got... Um, most of what they need in terms of skills and competence and so on but they really fit well into the team and they've got the right mindset in terms of I'm willing to learn and um and experiment and kind of to be guided and you know to receive feedback and so on Mm -hmm. then they are they are going to be a great fit because you can always teach someone skills and competences but if they're not the right fit in terms of who they are as an individual then actually, yeah, you're, you're, you're so right. It's mm. so hard. And, and the impact that has the ripples on the rest of the team, whether it's a, a particular employee or a particular client, can just be so damaging. Um, yeah. it's, it's far better to be working with people who are aligned with your, your values. Yeah. And I love what you say about the, the, the regular one-to-ones. And I think that that's definitely a challenge that mm. um, our sector have because you know, often the owner of the business is very much involved in the delivery of the service as well so you know they they've got a full clinical list and that's that's kind of where I you know say to them well you you, you absolutely need to put those one-to-ones in your diary because your people are you know are yeah. going to be the success of your business really and and the one-to-ones are the things that sometimes fall behind and it's like oh you know we've got such a long waiting list we have to see these patients and well actually your team are actually also your most important patients and you know you, you need to put time in working on your yeah. business um, um interacting with your team so that you you know you can you can achieve whatever those objectives are but but more importantly that everybody's happy because people like that engagement people you know some people will some owners will say to me oh but you know people just want to get on and do what they want to do and that, <laughs> I think that's know, an excuse <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. I I I completely agree with what you're saying. I think, um, I mean, there's been so much over the last number of years about the fact that employees want more one-to-ones, they want more check-ins, not check-ins in the sense of, are you doing your job properly, but how are, yeah. how are you doing? How are you? Um, yeah. And actually there's some research just reading recently, uh, which shows that uh, people are, are struggling, uh, obviously they're struggling um, more, many people have been struggling during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but the, the number of people having check-ins just have dropped because people are so busy mm-hmm. and you know it's like you're saying if, if you imagine if you had a, a conductor of an orchestra and the conductor decided to sit down and play their own instrument everything's going to fall <laughs> apart you can't do it all and when yeah. people say 
well, I've got a full, I've got a full job. I've got a full role. Yeah. I'm supposed to be managing a team on the side. Mm. I will really challenge that and say, yeah. um, you actually have to find time. It's not a luxury. You have mm. to put it in your diary. So kind of regular every yeah. week, this is the time I'm going to be checking in with people and that has to be a priority if you don't do that you're not you're almost just kind of ticking the box of I'm here they know who their manager is if there's an mm. issue I'll speak to them if there's something I need to tell them I'll tell them but you're not really doing any more than that and for mm. me that's not really that's that's far from good management a good manager yeah. is as you say it's knowing how people are getting on if someone's having a bit of a wobble this week because there's something going on at home it's knowing about that and mm. working out what we can do to support you so that you can get through mm. that wobble and carry on working you yeah. know at the end of it rather than going off on sick leave because actually you've been so stressed trying to balance everything mm. um, it, it's kind of you we have to know what will what's getting in the way for people to be able to work well what they're feeling uncertain about mm. um what they're excited about what challenges they're having you know, we have to, we have to have those regular check-ins and if we don't then people are not going to come to us when they've got a bit of a wobble because they mm. are not used to having those conversations so people yeah. say I can't just phone or I can't just speak to my manager because that's like because they're so busy whereas if you know that every week you're going to have even a 10 minute phone call or it doesn't matter yeah. what it is how informal but you know you can have that then that's the time you might say well actually this week it's been a bit tough because yeah. And if, if one of the things that we are driven by as human beings is a sense of belongingness, mm. by not having those one-to-ones, you're just mm. never creating that sense of belongingness mm. for you or for them. Mm. I always ask when, when I'm working with managers who say um, they don't have time to do this one-to-ones, mm. um, I'll ask them, I'll get them to write down what their role is about. You know, mm. what do you, you, you're a manager, what is your role? And if they just mm focus on all the the stuff to do with their day-to-day practice their their Mm. other job um then I say well basically you're not a manager then you might be on Mm. paper someone might be paying you as a manager or calling you a manager Mm. but actually you're not doing the job of a manager so if you were to carve out you know if you if you were to think about a good manager you've had what made them a good manager if you think about what support you need what is that what what be helpful right now and of course, if you've got someone saying, well, I, I don't need anything, <laughs> um, yeah. then you actually might just have to help them understand that actually most people do need something. Um, yeah. And those conversations are really important. And actually then sit mm. down and work out, okay, if you've got this number of people on your team, ask, your, ask the people on the team, and it might have to be someone else asking them, how often mm. do you want to have check-ins? How do you mm. want to have those check-ins? Mm. Work out then how much time that is in your week or in your month. And then that's the time it's got to go in the diary. And, and then I guess a bigger question is, do you actually want to be a manager? Because I know yeah. um, I've seen I, and I know I made the mistake in my own business um, in South Africa where you, know, you promote someone up to a management level and actually all they wanted to do was a technical job. They did not yeah. want to be managing all these people. They were not interested in the least. It was like kind of that, oh, this is a career progression. So this person's going up into the management role. He did not want to be that. And I think that's where... Um, Kim Scott talks about rock stars and superstars. You know, some people just mm-hmm. want to be that rock star in the organization where they are doing the doing and they're doing yeah. it really, really well and they're an expert in that. Yes. And then others might want to progress up the ladder into different management roles. And it is, you know, kind of recognizing that as well. 
Yes, and I think it's really interesting, like, you know, how you just explained that kind of you go up the ladder and you become a manager. And I think that's why there's a real shift now for lots of organizations around from that sense of having a ladder and having a hierarchy, because it's almost mm. like to achieve more status, to achieve greater pay, to agree mm. greater recognition, whatever, I've got to go up. And that means I've got to yeah. become a manager. And is that mm. actually we took that whole model out and said you know either flatten the hierarchy and say you know we are all experts in our own right some of us are experts in dealing with people and Mm. therefore I will lead a team of people some of us are experts at you know being the rocks the rock stars as you say Mm. and I'm brilliant at this particular product or this particular process and I'm going to focus on that so if everyone Mm. becomes an expert in their own right who equally are able to go up that ladder together or just stay put and just mm. expand who you are in that place and get yeah. your recognition for that and surely that's mm. better because it takes away that sense of competition and that mm. need to fulfill a role or take on a role that actually yeah. you can't fulfill because you don't have the skills or competences or the want to do it yeah exactly yeah and so so how how does one portray your um culture your values your like how do you how do you kind of put it across into the world for people to want to come and work with you how how does how does that get communicated you know at the moment with recruitment being a challenge not just in like in our it's yes it's a challenge in our sector of getting therapists on board but you know I read an article several months ago now um written by I think it was a kind of collaboration of a few head chefs and they got together and they were just talking about how it's really sad that the front of house um, career opportunities in in the hospitality sector are very much seen as very kind of um, temporary. So mm. you don't, you know, it's not a career. You don't go into that and do that for the rest of your life. And and you and they were talking about how you know they really need to change that the perspective of that because it can be a really fulfilling career for those that are really interested in it. And I think and, that's that, yeah, a lot, a lot of people when they're looking to recruit will focus on the role. They'll focus on, mm. um, you know, this is what the job is. This is the kind of number of hours or where you'll be based and, and that kind of thing. And I think when companies move away from that and talk much more about their company and much more about the values and much more about um, kind of what's in it for the employees, mm. So, mm. and, you know, having employees, having a, providing a quote about what it's like mm. to work there, or, yeah. you know, when, when companies who um, uh, are recruiting within their information, they'll say, send uh, links to their website. And on their website, they've got employees talking about kind of doing this, going back to those blogs or those kind of little mini videos talking about this is what I love about working here and this this is what's really important to us working here and this is you know talking about the reality of working this place but it's all it's employees Mm -hmm. doing that rather than just the leaders in the in the organization so people start to get a real flavor of what it's like and it's not just being written down in a job description these are our values (laughs) but you've got people talking with a sense of excitement about you know, when we're working here, we're able to be experimental and we're able to have a go at new things and know that if things don't quite go right, we can have someone who's going to have our back because we're all in together as a team. And um, I'm able to work flexibly, which is really important to me. Um, you know, I, I have regular 
um, check-ins with people so that they are just they're really interested looking after me and hearing who Mm -hmm. I am and what's going well for me and what's not and I get the support I need and just all that kind of stuff that's the stuff that people want to know about right now Um, and I think that has to be communicated through everything from the outset when you're when you're thinking about recruitment Mm. but to hear it from the people involved find a way of getting access to kind of real feedback is really powerful Yeah, yeah, completely. And I think, um, you know, people are looking for experience. So yes, there might be an element of there there will be a sense of, well, I need to earn a certain amount, you know, certain salary. But actually, Mm. I've had so many examples of people that have worked in a place and kind of moved to another place because the income is better and found very quickly that actually they they'd rather earn less money and have a better experience. Yeah, and I think that's what the research quite clearly shows now, actually, Mm. it's not about... um, money and people often talk about perks that are not that meaningful so mm. being clear about what it is that people are really interested in so people want flexible working so mm. if you're able to offer flexible working talking about that and talking mm. about how you um enable people to prioritize their their own sense of well-being so mm. for example you know that you're you'll allow people to kind of um within limits of obviously how the practice works but you're there's flexibility for people to be able to go for a walk at lunchtime or Mm -hmm. um to go to the gym or to take the you know to work in a kind of flexible way that enables them to live the healthy lifestyle that they need or to be Mm -hmm. able to connect with their family at a time that when their family around or so being and that comes back to being clear about what your values are as an organization and Mm -hmm. how you're what you're okay with and what you're not okay with and recognizing that we're all individuals you can't just kind of plonk everyone into one bucket and have you know this is this is how we do things in this company I mean you can do that but you're going to miss out yeah. a lot of a lot of people um, yeah. having that very individual approach is is brilliant in terms of people thinking actually I could go I could see myself working there because they're going to listen to who I really am what how I work best what I really need if I'm struggling with something they'll hear they'll understand um they're ticking the boxes for me in terms of being able to prioritize um my family or my well-being or flexible working whatever it is um that that's definitely going to get my interest yeah and 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 then you know putting that out there then then there's a real um sense of responsibility and you know you need to then deliver that so it's like if you were advertising in your website that you're going to have this amazing experience when you come into my business and you get into my business and it's like oh that's yes. not connecting the dots and it's exactly the same I think with you yeah. know, your advert needs to then it needs to you need to live that yes which is why I think um because yeah, there's there's that that real disconnect has has come through for too many people unfortunately where they, mm. they sign up to a, an organization and they're like the practice really is so different to what they promised me an interview yeah um I spoke to someone recently who's like actually it's just as good as it was promised an interview and I was like well thank goodness oh, wow. <laughs> but actually to you know if someone people are also very wary of that you know it looks good on paper and at the interview they're kind of selling it to me but what's the reality mm. going to be like so if you can enable people to hear a little bit about what it is really like from people who are in it and living it yeah. um then that's awesome if you've got if you as a as a company if you have if you have a sense of practice where you're checking in regularly about great processes great achievements mm-hmm. recognizing your values in in practice you're kind of doing all the stuff that 
we've been talking about today, rather than just talk about in a team meeting, mm. put, put something really quickly, even if it's just a LinkedIn post, or if it's a mm. something, a really short thing on, on a blog that you set up, whatever it is, because that's the stuff that people go and check out. So yeah. what that's the stuff that if someone says to me about a potential client, I'll go and have a look and what see what they're talking about on their yeah. LinkedIn, because are they someone who is interested in their people or not and it comes through yeah. in their messaging so that so people will yeah. now start doing their homework so you just need to make sure you're um you know you're getting the right information out there yeah i was it was it Zephos, i think that invited people to come into the organization so if they were going through the interview process there was a whole process that went on but um one of the kind of key areas was that they'd invite them in for a day and they'd say there's this department there's that department go around and speak to whoever you want and, you know, and come and meet me over here for lunch. And, you know, so they were like literally so confident that the, um, yes. the candidates would get the experience that they had promised in the interview and that they'd promised in the, um, you know, the, the job advert, et cetera. And mm. they were completely confident that everybody on the team was absolutely upheld the values and that, you know, that, that it was safe for them to just let them go and, explore and teach everybody yeah that's awesome isn't it and I think that <laughs> the lovely thing about that is when the company uh the, the company owner the manager whoever gets the feedback from all the people within their organization what mm. that person was like so for example when yeah. they came into your uh, say uh, office clinic or whatever and they are seeing that person front of desk how were they towards you so did mm. they have this view that you're less important than that person so how, because you, it comes back to recruiting the right people. So it's not mm. just a one-way process. Mm. Both, both, you know, the, uh, the potential employee and the company have got to be confident it's the right fit. So mm. imagine at the end of that day, the manager going and speaking to everyone saying, what did you think of them? Mm. How did they, interact? how did they engage? Because how, how that's the best way of finding out when it's, when mm. it's unofficial and they're not out there to impress yeah, that's when you see the real side of people. Yeah, I um, I, many years ago, I did a um, Emeth revisited course in London just for for our business, and um, there were several other business owners around the table, and there was this one particular gentleman from Scotland, and he was quite, quite far away from the airport, and um, so when they recruited, generally they weren't recruiting just from their local area because you know they, it's just you know not very many people that would have applied for the position yeah, yeah. in their local area. So it would often be from around the world, around the country, whatever. So so often people would fly in, and what what this guy did was he had a taxi driver that he knew that picked the guy from the airport. They stopped at a restaurant on the way of an owner, mm. the, the owner of which he knew, and then you know when they eventually got to the reception and interacted with the reception before they went in for the interview, yes. the owner would know if that guy was going to be employed or not. Yes. Just from the feedback yes. that they got from the taxi driver, the restaurant owner, the waitress at the restaurant. Yes. And I just thought, you know, amazing. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's the best way, is it? Because you want, mm. it's about being authentic and everyone can yeah. talk the talk at some point and, mm. um, you know, blag it a little bit, but actually you want to see what people are really like and, and it's finding yeah. those opportunities and making it very clear that it is a, it's a two-way process. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that if you make that clear, um, if the person's lucky enough to get to the, to, <laughs> to have the conversation, the interview, yeah. um, then again, it's about, I'm not here just to try and impress you. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's got it's got to be it's got to be mutual, and I think that gets your yeah. 
the right footing as well. It's that you're taking the sense of hierarchy out from from word go. Mm. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you today. Um, and so I wondered if we could just end on me asking you to mm. kind of give a very quick fire summary on planning for positive employee experience. Whoa, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I would start, I think my number one message would be communication. So uh, to have clarity within your leadership team about what it is mm. you're looking for and why, um, but also to, from the ground up and working together um, collectively uh, on what that looks like uh, what good culture looks like if I came if I came to work here and this is the perfect place what would it what would it be like and as soon mm. as you ask people to create that perfect image that sense of this is my dream clinic you then have insight into what you need to work on and then how to go about that um, and creating, you know, thinking about psychological safety and mm. getting beyond those terms, thinking, oh my goodness, I have no idea what that means, um, mm. or I don't know how to go about that, is thinking, actually, let's go back to number one, included. What does that mean for us? How do we, when do we feel most included, connected? And starting to just unpick, if you just unpick and then look at what good practices are already in place and then start to look at where there are gaps, um, and people, if you ask people, they'll tell you. So if you ask people what needs to happen to fill that gap, what needs to happen to get around that particular challenge in this clinic, people nine times out of 10 will have some really good ideas, but it's about having those conversations. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Lisa. I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat with you. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Celia. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on Beyond the Water Cooler. If you love it, I would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode. If something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further, please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk. My details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. I'm always looking for new, interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time.